Hello and welcome to another episode of That CI Podcast, That Creative Industries Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Ash, and uh, today I am speaking with uh, Fiona Drummond, a South African academic currently studying in Australia, and we'll be chatting about what else but creative industries, uh, this time in rural South Africa. Uh, before then, a bit of housekeeping. If you like the podcast, uh, here's what you can do. You can follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe wherever you got this podcast and you can leave a review. Uh, that just helps more people find the podcast and find out what's happening in the creative industries. Lastly, uh, we have a brand new Patreon page. So if you like the podcast, if you like the website, you can now support the project and uh, that will allow uh, me to release more content. So you can uh, head to patreon.com slash that CI podcast. Uh, we will have new and unreleased content there just for backers. Uh, for now, here is uh, my chat with Fiona Drummond. I started in the usual way by asking who she is and what she does. Right. Well, that's not exactly simple. I am half South African and half Scottish. Grew up in South Africa. Um, been dancing since the age of six, which turns out to be how I got into the creative industries. Ah. I studied economics and geography at Rhodes University in South Africa. And then when it came time to choose an honors project, um, there was a woman who was doing cultural stuff. And I thought, well, I dance. That sounds fun. Let's give it a whirl. And now I'm doing a PhD in it. Interesting. So do you study dancing? Sorry, dancing? No. No. Okay. But, but that was, that was how you got into it. Cause I, uh, there have been a few people who, who kind of move from, um, economics, uh, or kind of harder sciences to, to creative industries. Um, so who, who was the, who was the professor that, that led you this way? Professor Jen Snowball. She's actually done a lot of research on cultural economics, including things like how to measure the value of culture. Awesome. Festivals. Fantastic. Fun. Um, so yeah, I think there'll be kind of two halves to this interview. The first is going to be your master's thesis, which was your research in South Africa. Um, uh, what did you study in South Africa? So to give you a bit of a background, there is a bit of a difference between cultural policy in rural areas and in cities. So most of the research has been done on cities, which stems from Richard Florida's work, um, that is the, the rise of the creative class exactly. sort, of, sort of stuff. Yep. Yes. So policymakers and researchers have tended to focus on cities because that's essentially where we think culture and creative activity occurs. Um, this is based on hard and soft infrastructure. So things like having access to technology, large labor pools. Um, right. So there's stuff in cities that creative industries need. Yes. From like inputs and outputs. So like there's yep. markets there. All right. Exactly. So I tried to find out whether cultural and creative industries could cluster in rural areas. So clustering just means the co-location of these industries. It wasn't any specific industry. It was just a generalized one. So we were looking at um, the UNESCO framework for cultural statistics and how they define them. And what is that? Because there's, there's, you could write whole books about how to define the creative industries. What, you know, what broadly is the UNESCO framework? It's kind of a list, isn't it? Yeah. So there are six 
mutually exclusive domains. We chose them because that is where South Africa has gone with their definition, and that is what the government now recognizes. Um, so you have cultural and natural heritage. For South Africa, we exclude natural heritage because we are um, a country where you can go on safari. So it tends to distort <laughs> the data. Um, performance and celebration, uh, books and press, design and creative services. Oh, God, now you're asking. Um Oh, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot there, uh, but it's but it's that, it's that kind of stuff. It's it's sort yeah. of like a like a list of, of of kind of what you expect. Interesting that um, that uh, nature is is taken out of that. Is that that's because it would be like I don't know seventy five percent of exactly of the activity. Or so there was a previous study done in twenty fourteen by the Department of Arts and Culture, which is actually the first mapping study of culture and creative industries in South Africa. And they included natural heritage. And when we started analyzing their data, we found that it made the cultural and creative economy seem much larger than it is. Mm. Um, just because you've got so much tourism around nature heritage. Yeah. And there's probably good reasons to think that they might be different things going on. People going on safari versus, you know, music publishing or, exactly. or that, that kind of thing. Um, but in South Africa, Nature and culture are governed under two different departments anyway, so okay. there's really no coherence in the country between them. Okay, so yeah, there's there's kind of two things going on going on there. One is that um, I would say the creative industries discourse has really come from developed countries. It's come from the UK, the yep. US, and now Australia, and it's come from cities, or it's yep, it's been exactly. looking at cities. So you're looking at the two things two things there. So. Um, how did you study? How did you? What, what was the actual research that you did um, to to look at? It was whether creative industries activity was happening in these rural areas. Not whether it was happening. We knew it was happening, but whether clusters were forming. So okay, so whether it was happening in clusters or whether it was a sort of evenly distributed. So we of- know it's not evenly distributed. So right. the reason we were looking at clustering is you need to have a significant number of culture and creative industries locating in an area before you can harness them for cultural policy and local economic development. So the background to that is in South Africa, there's been a post-productivist shift in rural areas, which makes basically means that they're moving away from agriculture, mining and railways, which have all gone into contraction and they were the former economic mainstays. So you've got the former economic mainstays, which um, have gone into contraction, meaning you've got mass unemployment um, and issues of poverty and inequality. So local governments are looking at how they can diversify, which is where the post-productivist shift comes in with moving away from these more traditional industries into consumer culture. So culture and creative industries is one such thing. So we do have a couple of examples um, within the geography literature of small towns that have gone with the creative industries. Um they're not specific studies. You kind of have to read between the lines, uh-huh. but we know it's possible. They're, so by that you mean they're looking at very specific things, like if this is a study into the uh, to the uh, cultural tourism yep. and you have to sort of take that and extract it and, and put it into the broader umbrella of, of CI. Yep, okay. exactly. Uh, so, so just, just more on that, just a little bit more on that clustering thing. You're looking to see if there's like a, there's like a critical mass there at which you can do policy stuff. Yes. So these local areas want to move into cultural policy and harness it for development. And the only way that is going to be successful is if you have a good enough base 
already in cultural and creative industries. You can't just start from nothing. Um, right. So there's sort of, yeah, and there's kind of two reasons why the this is like unusual or interesting from the point of view of sort of traditional creative industries um, understanding. One is that it's for wealthy, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the top of Maslow's hierarchy. And then the other is that it's, um, that it's in, in cities. Exactly. For, yeah. For those. All right. So, so that's very interesting. And how did you conduct the research? So we started doing a audit. So beginning with the research that had already been done in the district I was looking at, which is the Sarah Bartman district, which is in the Eastern Cape province and is actually the size of Denmark. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, so we looked at the study done by the Department of Arts and Culture in 2014 and then another study that was done by um, a group at Rhodes University who I was working with um, in 2016. Um, so that was the starting point and I went far more in depth, which started doing um, internet searches, looking at tourism brochures. So you find things like museums, crafts, galleries, all that kind of thing that would be attractive to tourists. And then from there, moving into field work. So that involved ground verification of everything that we'd found in the internet searches and tourism brochures and then snowball sampling to find more. So the first mapping study in 2014 found about 248 cultural and creative industries. By the time I'd finished my study, we had 1,048 so that's 1,048 um, culture and creative industry businesses, businesses operating within the district. And so it's it's the size of Denmark. And yes. so what, what is this area like? Are we is it are these villages? Are these is it rural? Is it, it is completely rural. There are no large urban centers, which is why we chose it. Um, you're looking at populations of between five thousand and sixty thousand. Okay. Interesting. So, so you identified this this activity that was going on and went out to to map it to. So this is where geographic information systems come, came into the analysis. Um, GIS. So GIS is something that is re relatively recently become something that is being incorporating incorporated into cultural studies. So there are a couple of people in Australia who are sort of pioneering this, including Chris Gibson and Chris Brennan Hawley at the University of Wollongong. Um, if you're interested, they did studies in Darwin, which are really, really cool. Um, so yeah, we used geographic information systems, so proportional circles to place the number of the total number of culture and creative industries in each town. So the bigger the circle, the more culture and creative activity there is in the town. So the GIS was just the total number, but we were looking at a general cluster. So is there culture and creative activity within these towns? Then you combine that with where you found those culture and creative industry businesses within the towns. So in small towns, they tend to be just along a main street or in some of the larger small towns in shopping centers. So you need to be close to consumer markets. Um, it's not a case of somewhere like London where you've got the West End, you've got a film editing cluster in Soho. Mm. Um, going a bit further out of London, you've got all the sort of film studios. You don't have that in rural right. areas. Yeah, there, there are no industry-specific clusters. Yeah. It's, it's more just like where the people are. And I grew up in a small town, so I understand everything's along the main street. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, so you were going out and talking to were they were they surveys were they? No, it was just identifying where 
these industries were and what activity was going on. Um, that data does not exist in South Africa, which shows you the disparity between developed and developing countries. So somewhere like Australia, you've got that data. So uh, what were the results? What did, what, what did you discover that was novel and, uh, and interesting? So basically you've got four categories. The first is that no clustering has occurred. That fits the traditional theory where creative industries locate in cities and are not suited to rural areas or small towns, right? That was over half of the towns that we found. So extending that, it means that towns that are more focused on agriculture, there wasn't any mining activity in the district, but towns that are more focused on agriculture as their primary um, economic activity don't have culture and creative industries. They don't have a consumer base um, who would demand any of these products. Um, the socioeconomic status levels of the population are quite low, so they can't even afford to buy um, any of these. And there aren't any amenities that would sort of attract the creative class. So this starts to look at Florida's idea of talent, technology, and tolerance. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a T. <laughs> yeah, the three T's. Um, the next category was the potential to form clusters. So these were small towns that had started to diversify. So this is where you start to see the post-productivist shift coming in. So they had established small tourism industries actually around agriculture. So have you heard of mohair? I have not heard of mohair. So mohair is a type of wool similar to angora. So you've got um, actually angora goats, um, but they are farmed in the Karoo region of the district. And you now have tourist industries springing up around this. So you can go and stay at the farm. You can get go on factory tours where they sort of take you through the whole process of refining the wool. Okay. All right. So this is very good wool, I, I guess. Yes. Very high quality. Um, South Africa is actually the highest exporter of mohair in the world. All right. Um, so, so this is becoming uh, a, a tourist activity. Yeah. Right. So you can buy all sorts of crafts related to the production of mohair. Um, and you've got local rural women who are making a lot of the craft. Um, so it's become sort of an escape to the country for a lot of people in the cities. So they have got small um, tourist industries. So they've got the potential for clustering if they continue to develop that side of their economy. Next up, we've got small clusters. So these were above 50 cultural and creative industries in terms of total numbers. And... Um, then you've got large clusters. Now, the large clusters, you could get up to over 100, between 100 and 200 culture and creative industry businesses per town. So these were in the four largest towns in the district, Grahamstown, which has now been renamed Makanda, and hosts the National Arts Festival, which is the biggest arts festival in Africa. And it's in a tiny town. Wow. It's really fun. Marketing. Then you've got Hrafrenet, which is sort of the jewel of the Karoo. Um, Jeffrey's Bay, which you may know for the surfing competitions that they host. And then Port Alfred, which is a sort of seaside town. Right. So we are seeing clustering happening in, in these areas. And that's sort of happening along lines of what we'd, what we'd kind of expect 
Like the, the, the larger the clusters are, the more kind of um, typical they become when compared to other places, other countries. So again, they are generalized clusters. They're not specific. Um, they're also still located along main streets. Now you start getting them in shopping centers because they are the larger towns. But you've got these towns are sort of the service centers of the region. So in effect, they act like the cities of rural areas. So you've got a larger population. You've also got a wealthier population. So you've got a consumer market. In a lot of these towns, you've got big tourism, which means you've got the permanent and transient population who are buying or demand cultural and creative industry goods. If you go back to the UNESCO domains, the two that we found to be the most prominent were cultural heritage. So you're going with things like museums, um, heritage sites. Um, in particular in this region, it related to the Anglo-Boer War as well as settler history. So in 1820, British settlers arrived in South Africa and settled in the region. So you've got a lot of people who are interested in the Anglo-Boer War history and also sort of discovering their roots or that come back to the region. And then you've got visual arts and crafts. So these are sort of the more traditional craft markets that you're seeing. So as far as results go, one of them was that clustering is happening in these in these, yes. in these rural areas. And the other one was, I guess, the, the size or significance of the creative industries in these areas? So it's based on place characteristics, not the size of the town. So the four largest towns have got um, large clusters, but that is more based on their characteristics. So they are the service center type towns acting like cities. But the small clusters were in tiny villages. They just happen to be culture and creative villages. So one example is Bathurst. I know you have Bathurst in we Australia. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bathurst has a big pineapple too. Um, Does it? Yeah, it's bigger than the one in Australia because, you know, competition. Yeah, I, I like that Australia isn't the only country with big agricultural products. So I know. That's very, <laughs> that's very classy. So you've got Bathurst, which is sort of a one-street town and it's full of culture and creative activity. It's become sort of an artist colony. Um, you've also got New Bethesda, which was the set of South African playwright Athel Fugard's The Road to Mecca, um, in which he wrote about a local artist called Helen Martins, who transformed her home into a piece of art. And the play follows her life. And so based on sort of her house and then the Owl House Museum, you've created a massive tourist industry around it. So there, it's definitely kind of maybe helpful to, to be a larger a larger area, but there's, there's obviously more going on yeah. than, than just that. There, there are also um, elements or, or I guess the next question would be, uh, you know, so what? So like what are the policy implications or what? what um, exactly. So we did have some policy recommendations, but um, obviously you'd need to, this is an area for future research. Always. As part of the audit, we categorized every business according to the UNESCO um, framework for cultural statistics. So based on what the towns have, these are the areas in which they should target for policy and local economic development. So throughout the region, cultural heritage was prominent and so was visual arts and crafts, which means that the district could do sort of development-based initiatives. Then we had nodes of activity. So in Grahamstown, you've actually got a cluster of performance and celebration, which is brought up around the National Arts Festival and Rhodes University, which is 
located in the town. So you've got all these musicians, dancers, theaters. Um, so you've got that kind of activity. And then in St. Francis and Canton-on-Sea, which are sort of smaller towns in the region, you've got a node of design and creative services. So that, it would require further research, but based on field observations and what we know about the areas, it seems to be that the second home market is huge. And so you've got people who want to build houses. So you've got clusters of architects, interior designers, and landscape designers. So it's about identifying, you know, the unique selling point or, or the whatever the, what is it, relative advantage or comparative, com- comparative advantage. advantage. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. What, you know, what, what we do well as compared to other places. Yes, and um, then trying to create policy that targets that, sort of enhances what makes you special. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think we often see places sort of, coming in with like kind of default creative industries policy. Exactly. Welcome to the cookie cutter approach, which is now where my PhD comes into the picture. <laughs> right. Um, and and, and th- this is a problem because, you know, places do have pre-existing um, conditions and, and that makes them better or worse at, at certain capturing, you know, certain exactly. sort, of, sort of activity. But if you're looking at ru- rural areas, so the PhD is continuing this rural areas um, focus that most of the research and policy has been designed for cities and they're sort of just being taken and dumped onto rural areas, which are intrinsically different. So the question now becomes how do we design policy that is targeting rural areas. And again, rural areas aren't just one blanket approach. You've got, you know, villages like um, Bathurst and New Bethesda, but you've also got larger towns like Grahamstown, Jeffreys Bay, which are sort of the service centers. So the same policies won't work in those areas. Based on the research that that, that you carried out in, in South Africa, um, are the creative industries contributing meaningfully to economic development in poor rural areas or is its um, is this potential being a bit overstated? You would have to conduct an economic impact analysis to be able to answer that question right. fully. But part of the research was saying, you know, just be wary. It's not the ad culture and stir approach. It is not the solution to all your prayers. Um the research itself showed that over half of the places are not suited to culture and creative industries. So if you try and get policies in and use them for development, it's not going to work. Yeah. And we, which is, which is fine. You know, like it's, it's fine that some places don't, you know, do as much as other places. So exactly. it's, it, there's not, that's not necessarily a problem. But in the areas where you have a comparative advantage, so where you have the large clusters or the small clusters, it could be successful. And the areas where you've got the potential for clustering, it could be something that they go into in the future. But at the moment, they've got to continue to develop and get that cluster before they can really go into the culture and creative industries policy. I guess I wanted to talk quickly about the context in in, in South Africa and um, for people like me who've never been there to 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 the country um what what is the what is the the national sort of landscape look like for the cultural and creative industries um is it something that the government is 
is I mean, are, are they adopting this this um, groundswell about using cultural industries for economic purposes, or are they kind of ignoring it, or are they you know what, what's going on politically? So it's a bit hot and cold. Um, after the Department of Arts and Culture study came out, it became clear that hey. This is a pretty big sector. They're contributing quite a lot to GDP. Um, There have been follow-up studies on that by Snowball and Hadisi. If you look at the South South African Cultural Observatory website, you can find all of their reports. But they started looking at cultural employment. And and when was this? That was 2016. Okay, so this is is quite recently that it's it's become a policy kind of thing in South Africa. Yeah, and... um, it was actually mentioned by the government of the time, um, Jacob Zuma as president, that the culture and creative industries were the new gold of South Africa. Now, South mm. Africa built its wealth on gold mining. So this is a pretty big deal. Mm. Since then, it's kind of been a, it's lost impetus. Um, but in Cyril Ramaphosa's State of the Nation address, he brought up the culture and creative industries, which to a lot of people meant that, hey, Government is listening again. Anything that you really wanted to talk about that we we haven't really yet, um, as far as the research in South Africa or the context there? Anything that people always get wrong about your research that you want to you want to put straight? Um, there is a section that we haven't looked at, which was that we created a socioeconomic status index to try and investigate the relationship between culture and creative industries and development. So if you go back to Florida's work, he says that culture and creative industries will locate in areas that have high economic growth rates, right? Again, cities. So if we look at economic growth in at a municipal scale, so there are nine municipalities within the Sarah Bartman district, you know, you get a pretty good relationship. There's a positive relationship between the mm-hmm. number of cultural creative industries and economic growth rates. But if you include social aspects, that relationship is much stronger. So the municipality that ranked highest is one of the largest agricultural producers in South Africa. They're a massive exporter of citrus. Right. So so a pretty strong economy in this. A strong economy, but it doesn't trickle down to the local population, which is your market. So they're not going to consume cultural and creative industry goods. Okay. So just to clarify, the municipality that ranked highest in terms of economic growth was not the highest and in there was no they were actually one of the municipalities with the lowest total number of culture and creative industries if you include social development indicators and do a social economic status index what are social development indicators in this context so looking at south africa you've got um consumer durable assets which serve as a proxy for wealth. So do you own a washing machine? Do you own a vacuum cleaner, a car? So we go from sort of assets that don't cost that much to assets that do. So you get quite a wide range. Then we look at some economic indicators. So your income, um, employment status, um, and then housing characteristics. So as you know, housing is quite a big issue in South Africa. We do have what we call townships. Um, so what type of dwelling do you live in and how many rooms does it have? To, to, to paint the, 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 the picture of these, of these rural areas, um, how, you know, if, if you, t- obviously there's a lot of wealth disparity in, yes. in South Africa. Um, but as far as the 
the working class kind of kind of populations. What what sort of conditions are are they living in? Because I was I lived for a while in Indonesia, and you know you'd have a city of twenty million people where quite a lot didn't have access to electricity. At, Same thing at home. So, so yeah, access what, to electricity and access to running water were another two of the indicators that we used. Yeah. So we used multiple correspondence analysis to construct the socioeconomic status index. And basically the finding was that for rural areas, socioeconomic status works better than just economic growth rates in determining where cultural and creative industries will locate. So they will locate in areas that perform better in terms of development. That doesn't prove causality, though. It's not enough to just look at the baseline economic growth. You have to look at much more kind of fine-grained, like human development sort of yep. elements. But that's only one aspect of it. So it goes back to place characteristics being important. So what is the socioeconomic development status of the municipality? Do you have consumer markets, either permanent populations or transient with tourists? Um what type of activity is occurring? Mm-hmm. Do you so, have amenities? Are there talent pools? So basically it's all very complicated. Yeah. We are definitely going to get you back on the podcast to talk about your research in uh, in Australia, your, your PhD study that you're doing now. Um, for anyone interested in um, your research in South Africa or research generally in South Africa, what are some uh, some people or some sources that you'd recommend checking out? Some books that you've read over way too many times? <laughs> well, if you are interested in the socioeconomic status, I've just published a paper in the Bulletin of Geography, Socioeconomic right. Theories. Um, otherwise, I would look at Jane Snowball's work. She is sort of the most prominent cultural economist in South Africa.